Bat Force Radio. Bat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Ladies, gentlemen, you have eaten well. You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit. Your feast is nearly over. From this moment on, none of you are safe. Frank Miller, Batman Year One. Legend is Born, talking about year one today, the classic book that stood the test of time by Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli, basically Batman and Commissioner Gordon's rookie year, and just a classic tale, just to go over things Denny O'Neill said about the spawn of this book, basically the editorial board at DC felt that Batman was a little dated, being that at this point it was about half a century since he'd been around, and they wanted to do a little revamp, uh, basically with his origin, they wanted to kind of freshen it up, they didn't want to change it because it was just right. Kane and Finger got it down packed, but they wanted to, as how they say, um, improve it or bring some depth or complexity to it. Um, the great Frank Miller stepped up and volunteered to do this. I guess he considered it to be the um, alpha to his Omega, which is the Dark Knight Returns, so this would follow it two years later. And uh, he chose um, David Mazzucchelli uh, Maz- to do the artwork. What we had was a brilliant not not origin story, but a real solid, gritty, street-level Batman story of Batman's and Commissioner Gordon's first year, plus their dynamic, the beginning of their dynamic. So um, we're just gonna break. We're just gonna break it open and break the book down like we usually do here on Bat Force Radio. So guys, tell me. Let's start with the art. Tell me what you guys think about the art of this book by uh, David. I think it's perfect. Um, you know, he, Frank Miller worked with David Mazzucchelli on daredevil specifically daredevil born again right and um you know had a real tight relationship working relationship with him and and knew that mazzucchelli understood him as a writer and you know how to make his his story come to life in a way that probably he couldn't you know draw himself under such a deadline so um and plus you know at the time like you said mazzucchelli was like one of the top artists there at uh, DC so you know both of those guys were A-list you know at the top of their game and and they really delivered on this I really liked how um, Mazzucchelli you know he this was different than like the the regular Batman that we saw from like you know the late 70s and the 80s and stuff this was this wasn't a blue cow. This wasn't a bright yellow logo. This was just like his raw homemade costume that he made to go out and be a crime fighter. Well, let's let's talk about the covers real quick. Now, um, Batman Year One spawns uh, the Batman, the original pre-New 52 Batman comic run from number 404 through 407. The covers, especially number 404, which is part one of four of the year, of year one, are just so uh, heavy and so 
Raw. Basically, it's a young Bruce Wayne kneeling before his slain parents on the ground bleeding, you know, openly bleeding after they were murdered by Joe Chill in the alleyway. And the next issue, it's really it's Batman holding his cape together with it flaring out from the sides, forming a bat symbol or a bat symbol. Go on. That's one of my favorite images ever. I wish they would make a statue of that. Yeah, it's absolutely, mm. absolutely gorgeous. Part three is where um, you see the SWAT team looking for Batman in the building, and uh, and part four four is is really nice too. It's Batman and Commissioner Gordon on the cover, very monochromatic. It has that really slate blue feel, and Batman's wing uh, cape is kind of like flaring around Commissioner Gordon as he has his his uh, handgun out. The, the, the four covers together basically tell the story. Right. Mm. I, I keep uh, all, f- those are four books that I keep uh, framed on my wall. And it, it basically one, one cover to the next, from, from the first to the last, overall mm. tells, tells the whole story. So they didn't even have to buy it, right? Back in the day. <laughs> 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 judge, judge, judge this book. Judge this book by its cover. <laughs> well, it's perfect because I mean these covers, like like Robin said, it it really tells the story of two strong characters and how they came to work together. And that's one of the awesome things about the story is, as much as it is Batman Year One, it could also be called Gordon Year One. Exactly. A lot of people. That a lot of people. Um, consider it a, a, a Gordon story more than a Batman story, actually. Frank Miller says it's a, a Jim Gordon story. Right. I, I look at it that way. It's definitely more about Gordon. Yeah. You have his personal life uh, from his arrival to Gotham, uh, his initiation into the Gotham Police Department, learning about the corruption. Yeah. Uh, I love that reminds me of Training Day. I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. Mm. Yeah, going into uh, the artwork again. Uh, the first page, I even, even from the first time I read this book way back when, always grasped me. It's that the train pulling into Gotham City. Whoa! And uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Fucking settle down, excite by seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like a dragonfly or something or a, a jumbo bumblebee? <laughs> That was an angry cricket. Jeez, he was pissed. That wasn't a Canadian cricket. He, he crossed over the borders. <laughs> but uh, but that first, the very first panel with the train pulling into Gotham and how industrial everything looks and how gray the sky looks, it feels like the like this new beginning in Gotham and you know Gordon just arriving and uh, I really like how they set the the tone of the book. Yeah, an asshole meeting him there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, his partner. Okay, well, here, here, here's what's interesting, and this book is also you know great, just like uh, Dark Knight Returns, where every time you read it, you can find something new about it. And what I love also about this book is the internal dialogue that goes along with each character. And you know, Jim Gordon, he's talking about, oh shit, I'm I'm arriving in Gotham, and this is a hell, this is the hell that I deserve and stuff. And, you know, he knows in the back of his mind his wife is moving in. She's pregnant. Well, on page one, if you look at the second panel, he's sitting next to a woman that's breastfeeding on the train. And it's just kind of ironic that, you know, he's worried about his own soon-to-be-born son 
and here's this woman that is a, a mother that's highlighted sitting next to him painted a an image in my mind that showed that you know what this even though this place does suck it, it it's also a place of rebirth you know gotham isn't you know all that bad i like that rebirth yeah because um miller definitely wanted to catch that rural hopeless feel in the city that's kind of what you know i i guess for me the theme of year one is almost a rebirth you know not only was it dc starting over with the origin of batman but it was also uh bruce wayne reinventing himself into something new and gordon starting over with something new in, in gotham so I, I just noticed that frame today, and I thought that that just kind of tied in with what was going on in my mind. That's that's so well rounded what you said. Plus, I mean, you get the two different perspectives, like you said. I mean, Gordon's rolling into town on a train, you know, it's crowded and shit, and then here comes Bruce Wayne on the jet, right? And he says, "From here, it looks like an achievement." So as they're rolling into Gotham now, it's two different perspectives on it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I really yeah, it's a good point, LPC, because I really like the way Miller writes. Gordon and Bruce parallel to one another, you know them, yep. them entering Gotham, them both making rookie moves with and fighting. And uh, there's a scene where you see Bruce in the car after getting you know shot by the police and beat up after the fight with Selena, and then Gordon after he was recently beat up by you know the corrupt police officers because he was kind of uh, a straight shooter. And and they show both you know this similar you know the panels come one after the other very parallel to one another from their struggles trying to adapt to such a corrupt city and trying to you know be the the ones trying to do the right thing. I like I like the the way Miller actually wrote them that way. Yeah, that and, uh, you know it's it's implied they both have extensive training like combat training, right, but it right. doesn't. It's like you said, it's just parallel every step of the way. Like Bruce Wayne has training, Gordon's like it's been a long time since I fought a Green Beret. But still, I'll give him a handicap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. Yeah. Throws him the bat and still yeah. trashes him. <laughs> and then how he, through each step, he says, uh, I don't crack his skull. I don't crush his trachea. I don't you know, break his ribs. I don't punch my fist through his chest. You know, that was, um, I love that because that scene when he's, he, when Gordon is fighting his corrupt partner, Flass, right? Um, it's parallel as well to a dark, the dark knight returns when batman's fighting the mutant leader you know it's it's a, it's a wounded batman um everything's calculated the real hard one-on-one and yeah it's just it's just great how he brings us back into the fighting pit in this in year one after we had the dark knight returns it's like surgery like ryan or robin was just saying it's surgical with it i, I do just enough to keep him out of the hospital like every like you said calculated and careful every step of the way Right, and yeah, it's interesting because in year one, if if you really want to get into it, it's like the way Miller's writing it. It's almost the same way where people, let's say Alan Moore in The Killing Joke, you you read into it sometimes where you feel like Batman and the Joker are one and the same, but on both sides of sanity, right? Maybe Gordon and Batman are one and the same, but on uh, both sides of the law. Oh, the, the dinner scene where he says, you've eaten well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's <laughs> another part that they captured really well in the animated adaptation. Oh yeah, I loved it. It was so cool. No, oh that that the animated film for this is so on point. I even love the fact how they extended the fight between Selena and Batman. Now, what's really great about Year One as well is that you see 
Batman and Catwoman fighting, but outside of their outfits, it's Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle fighting, and I really love that as well. It's like Catwoman's year one. Yeah, it's Catwoman's rookie year as well in year one. What I what I enjoyed out of the uh, the animated movie was the little Easter eggs that they would throw in uh, Commissioner Loeb's office. Like if you look, he's talking to Gordon, but if you look behind him, he has this uh, picture of a clown on the wall. Right. And then there's another scene where he's uh, talking and he's he's playing with like some little action figure toys that look like Scarface. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I you know those little Easter eggs add some really cool depth to the animated movie that probably aren't in the uh, the comic. Rich, I'm surprised you didn't mention the uh, the panel where he's got the Roman tied up naked on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to, but since you did, it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so funny. That is you know, when I, after reading it, I, I really feel like that is one book that Christopher Nolan looked at pretty hard. So oh, yeah, his movies. Oh, he had to. Well, with Batman Begins, and even in, you know, uh, The Dark Knight with fucking how Harvey Dent is. Right. Well, Nolan wanted um, Bale to read year one prior to filming and getting into Batman Begins. And if you if you really, if you watch Batman Begins and read year one together, then you could see all the influence. Like you could see the, uh, you know, the paranoid schizophrenic that has the kids hostage and Gordon goes in to get him. I mean, think about it. There was also the paranoid schizophrenic from The Dark Knight that um, the Joker used as uh, a decoy when he was trying to, Yeah. Know, yeah. Right? And then, you know, obviously when Batman summons all the bats with that device when he's trapped in the building, you know, that was in Batman Begins. That was, you know, the Batman Begins was almost considered to be um, like a modified year one movie, wasn't it? Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean. That's probably why I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even that scene uh, or the, the panel when the Gordons drop by Wayne Manor. And, you know, Bruce is pretending to be drunk on wine, but it's, you know, it's really juice or whatever. He's got a couple girls and he's, right. you know, he spreads his legs in front of Gordon's wife with his shit hanging out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's similar to Batman Begins, right? When he does like the, uh, the birthday party or whatever. Right, right. And he just uh, pretends he's drunk as shit and starts acting like an asshole to get everybody out. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And another one I picked up on recently was uh, remember when Batman in Batman Begins when he's approaching Jim Gordon and he has the ski mask on and the harness and he jumps out and he falls and lands it's near a fire. It's almost like he's talking him, and it's the same in the book. Right, because in the book as well, when when Batman's fighting those kids on the uh, fire escape and then almost doesn't get, you know it almost doesn't go very well, but it does and he's kind of hurt and he's laying there. Mm-hmm. And that felt those two scenes felt very similar so it, it, I, I guess that might be one of the main reasons that Batman Begins is such a great probably the best origin Batman film you know that we, we had because it was you know so much so many elements were taken from year one which is just a phenomenal book and just four issues and that's that's amazing too to to have such an epic story in four issues that's not really that easy to do as well you know it really takes a good relationship between it really is, and man, as we covered these older books, I'm like, really? That this was only fucking four issues. You know, the Killing Joke is like what two or three, right? And yeah. that's unbelievable to me. In the Dark Knight Returns, 
he has Batman on a military chopper and he put him in a tank and he puts him on a horse. And what does he do for year one? He puts him on a bicycle <laughs> to save Gordon's kid. Yeah. You know what's interesting too? And I'm, I'm looking over the pages here. At the end of part one, in the Dark Knight, I mean, sorry, in the Dark Knight Returns, you know, he's saying he's a rusty trap and he's he's looking for the uh, the bat in the cave. But in year one, you know. It's him sitting there bloody and after he got his uh, ass kicked the first night out and the bat comes crushing, coming through the window and says, I'll become the bat. So it's kind of cool. Miller was like, all right, I'll put this similar sequence in year one after like the Dark Knight Returns. Right. Right. I love like the inner dialogue parts of year one and Dark Knight Returns because like he'll he'll say lucky, you know, like he got away with something. Mm. He's always referring back to you got lucky this time, you know. Oh, Gordon's little extra activities. I like that, too. That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, he made him human. Yeah, he made him very human. And, uh, I love that, actually. Really, I mean, That turns out later to be his wife. It's like he dumps the, the chick with the straight bangs mm. and goes for the hot blonde. Mm. Mm. Going back, um, for, for readers who haven't read it yet, new readers maybe, um, and the crickets agree that uh, that that one scene that that, you know, that one scene when he's laying there, well, sitting on the chair in Wayne Manor, bloody, just defeated, uh, on one strand of one you know one string of life left, and then that bat just comes crushing in while the sun's rising, lands on that bust, and that that was one of the most profound. I think moments in Batman's history. I know. I know it's it's an origin element, but it was just. I think it was just right. You know, it was just right the way they did it. Because what's really interesting about that whole scene is that the bat's out during the day, isn't it? You know, the bat's flying through the window during the day. Good not point. Only, yeah. Well, it's coming. It, it flew in. It's transcending. Yeah. As the sun was coming up, you know, because bats are nocturnal and they'll they'll try to go back to their cave. The way I thought of it was. The sun's coming up, and it's looking for somewhere to go. Mm. And it flies through the window looking for a dark spot, and it found a dark soul. Right. Or maybe it right had here. to drop some guano, you know? That could always happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also interesting that it's the father's bust, too. I mean, that kind of solidifies, you know, I made a promise, you know, I'm you know, great my parents, you know. But, like, it's, his, it's Thomas Wayne's bust, mm. right? And right. he said, yes, father, I shall become the bat. So it's just still... The flow of his parents' wishes and everything like that. Most I love when they incorporate Thomas Wayne with, with Batman. It's just, I think he he's so important to to Bruce just the way Gordon and Alfred are. He's just even though he's he's not there in the physical form, you know his his spirit. I think is really important in Batman's development. How would you guys uh, describe uh, Bat, uh, Frank Miller and David David Mazzucchelli's year one in a nutshell? Would you say it's a Batman slash Gordon rookie year story, or how how would you? I would just describe it as perfect. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, it's it is. If you want to, like we discussed in the last podcast, if you want to jump on, this is the book you need to read first mm. to have a clear understanding and to set the to set the level of where you need to be to understand the modern the modern Batman. I love what Miller did. It's one. It's probably. It might be my favorite panel, and that says a lot because there's so many good panels in this book. But the one when Batman is on that hang glider—is that what it's called? The bat hang glider. Oh yeah. Um, yep. na- now, yeah. do you guys know what that is all about? Basically, um, uh, Frank Miller is paying homage to um, Bob Kane and Bill Finger because 
in the beginning when Kane and Finger were developing Batman back in the 1930s and the 1930s. Um, basically, Bat- the concept of Batman came up um, from elements such as the Lone Ranger, Dracula, and Leonardo da Vinci's uh, notebooks and his devices and ideas. And one of those was the was a bat-shaped man flyer or a flying machine. Yeah, Leonardo's flying machine, it was called. And he... Bob Kane did a sketch designing it in the shape of a bat. Because it was already kind of shaped like a bat, but he wanted to apply that to Batman. So when I saw the hang glider, it just all made sense. And I thought that was really brilliant on Frank Miller's part to pay homage back to, you know, the beginning days of Batman. You know, being it was 50-something years ago back then when the book came out, but now it's like, what, 76 years. So, yeah, that's always one of my favorite parts. Famous image, too. Really famous. And, I mean, that's technically... Like Bruce Wayne's almost his first invention as a vehicle to get around, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. He didn't. He didn't have a Batmobile. I love that because he didn't have, did he? He uh, he hopped on. He had that uh, the bicycle. He hopped on the, uh, the the police motorcycle. I thought that was really clever when he was trying to escape the building. And I love I love all the mistakes he was making, but still getting out of it. He was he was diligent and focused, and that really kept things realistic and human just like the late 80s were or the way frank miller saw it yeah the the scene where he stops those kids that were uh out on the fire escape mm. uh and they had the tv that they'd stolen from the apartment uh where he you know almost nearly dies because the one kid gets knocked over the edge so he leans over and grabs the kid to save him and then another kid smashes the tv on him yeah uh that's uh, a close approximation of that scene in Batman Begins when he uh, visits uh, Gordon in his office and then Gordon and his men chase him after he leaves uh, out the window. They chase him across the roof mm-hmm. and he tries that first jump from one building to another right. and smashes his ribs on the on the fire escape. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that he's trying to steal a big-ass TV. You know how heavy that thing is? Dude, that, you know what? The 80s, man. The 80s, early 90s. That's, yeah. He captured it. In a record player. <laughs> record player. Good people of Gotham. This is Obi-Wan Canary here, and you're now listening to the Bat Force Radio. Sit back, relax, enjoy, take a batarang to the head, and have a jolly good day. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about um, was uh, the scene when he's in the building and SWAT traps him. And I wanted to talk to talk about you guys because I love how it's written in the book and how they did it in the animated film. Because in the book, it feels there's so much tension. It feels so cinematic because, you know, he's quiet. He's trying not to be noticed. He's trying to figure out how to get out of this. You know, he has the little darts and uh, then the whole thing with the cat. And I loved how... They were able to build tension in the book with that, and then the way they applied it to the film, I thought that was really great. And um, I'm glad they did a similar scene for that. And Batman begins with Arkham Asylum when SWAT's coming in, and then he summons the bats. Oh, I love the, uh, that. You know, you have the cover that shows the SWAT team going in, and then you have like a intro page that says they've got him cornered, mm. they have him outnumbered, they've got him trapped, right. they're in trouble. Mm. That right there, that page right there, I love it. <laughs> Guys, tell me real quick your thoughts on on uh, Selena Kyle slash Catwoman's role in this book. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> why is that? I don't know. I just feel like she's fucking useless. <laughs> I don't even know why she's there. 
Mm. And reading it, I was like thinking in my head, like maybe Bad is right. You know, maybe Miller hates Catwoman. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But, uh, well, I, I kind of look at it as they were trying to basically, you know, reboot uh, not only Batman, but Superman and Wonder Woman at this time. And obviously with Selena Kyle, Catwoman being in, in Gotham, they kind of had to give her a, a new origin also. So yeah. maybe that was... and the, the idea of the revamp was to contemporize all of these characters, bring them into the current age. And that was the avenue that he took was to give her that being from the streets uh, background. And aside from stealing everything, how else uh, did she make her living as a prostitute? Mm. Yeah, that was ballsy. In uh, like the you know late '80s Times Square, that was the scene where Batman was fighting. That's where he took that from, and you know there was a lot of prostitution back then. So I think Miller was he maybe using Selena to paint more of a uh, a social commentary with all of that, with that with the way he placed her. You know? Well, and he he also showed that she made a decision, and she ultimately kicked her pimp's ass and said, no, we're getting out of this line of work. We're going to do something else. Oh, yeah, you definitely. Know? She's very so, independent in that sense as well. And the yeah, Frank is always very influenced by the time that he's writing a story in. Right. Like the, the real-world climate. Yeah. Uh, the, in this, uh, in the tone and subject matter of Dark Knight Returns, and I've wondered before how different those stories would be if he had written them three years later or five years later. That's a good point. Oh, he's how about the politically the world would be different and how different, uh, how mm. differently he may have written the stories. I guess we got lucky. <laughs> Everything aligns he, up pretty well. He's about to piss off everyone with Dark Knight Three then because the way everyone's so politically correct these days. Yeah, hey. uh, it should be violent as fuck. And <laughs> from from what Azarello said, he. He said you're probably going to shit yourself and, well, in a good way. diaper anyhow, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Top that, motherfucker. Robo Rich, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. Nice, nice. Um... Scott Snyder's doing that now with the latest issue of Batman 44 where there was a little thing he did on uh, police brutality, you know, and I guess racial profiling in that sense, so. Dude, that's so good, man. I love that that these writers throw that in because, you know, that's what's going on in the world. And, and, you know, I think it's something, sometimes people or writers or whatever have a chance to throw it into their work. I think that I like that. That's good because Some people might not. That's good if you could use bat if you could use Batman to get these messages across or, you know, uh, make people aware of something or whatnot. It's such a great way to do it. Just such an effective way to do it. You know, that's one book you can tell anyone to go read and be like, look, if you want to see how the relationship started between Batman and Jim, that would be the book I suggest. You know, that's an excellent point because, uh, like I said earlier in another episode, the first 
appearance of Batman ever. The first Batman comic book, Detective Comics 27, the very first panel is Bruce Wayne having a drink with Jim Gordon. You know, and this spans now 76 years ago. So, yeah, that, that's a great point to say that this book is the, the best way to get in, you know, to understand the dynamic between Batman and, and Commissioner Gordon and how it all started, or Lieutenant Gordon or whatever he was back. You know, he's like Gordon's thinking in his head, he's like, oh, well, he saved the cat, you know. Mm, I like, lo- he can't be no, that bad of a person. Good Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the voice of God. Talk to me, babe. What do we got going today? Talk to me, Scott. Scott? Or don't. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck's sake. That's cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Red. He lets his trunk do his stuff. Oh, I got busted trying to trunk. I got busted today trying to trunk in uh, uh, the new. Volume 7 in game. Oh, you got caught? Yeah, I got caught. <laughs> <laughs> trailer got caught. He's in trailer jail. Well, because, you know, we were having a major home foundation repairs done today, so I stayed home all day. Well, at lunchtime, I needed to go get my book, so went got my book. I had to go out. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's shaking a baby rattle over there? <laughs> I think he was. I think he was putting a, a sack around someone's head. But hey, yeah, do what you gotta do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> Scott's live on location in a tunnel. Scott. Oh yeah, I got both. I'm at work. So. <laughs> Scott, tell, tell. What do you think about year one, man? Uh, it's a classic. I mean, it's you know, just like what you guys were. Well, a little bit of what I heard. Would you say that's the best Gordon story? I mean, this is for everyone. Would you say that's the best Gordon story? It's a good question. Is Batman Year One the best Commissioner uh, Jim Gordon story there is? Force it. We need to ask the people. Hmm. Well, actually, actually, we <laughs> I, have. I don't know if there's any other story that goes as as deep into his life as this. Right, because there's, there's Gordon of Gotham, and there's... Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But even yeah. that, I don't think you have the depth of yeah. events in his life. You know, so I don't... I can think of any other story that I have that far into it. And he's speaking from the future as well, so... <laughs> yeah, so, so he knows. He knows, man. The great Oz knows. <laughs> 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 we love you, Scott. We love you. Well, I don't know what you guys are fucking talking about, so I say something. And Vice versa. Okay. Scott, so we were asking if Donald Trump changed his last name to Donald Trunk. Would you vote for him? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they deport Rich. <laughs> Heyo, blokes! This is Batman Villains, a.k.a. The Trunkler. Keep that shit locked. I'm Bat Force Radio. Hey, where's this year one image, right? From, um, where's it from? It's, it's Batman. He's, like, jumping towards you with his hands out, and there's, like, a circle in the background, like a yellow circle, almost to make... Uh, I think that... 
David Mazzucchelli did a lot of different covers, uh, a lot of different artwork that got used for the covers for a lot of different editions. Uh, the one that you're talking about, I believe, was from the Titan Books edition uh, from over in the UK. Oh, wow. Excuse I've actually been trying to get a hold of that one because it's my favorite cover for any of them. Which one? It's it's um it looks like bats is jumping out of the bat symbol. Oh, yeah. The last page of the book. Yeah, the last page yep. of the book. It's absolutely gorgeous. Actually, that would, that would even look good as a tattoo if you really think about it. You know, my favorite uh, Batman picture from David Mazzucchelli happens to be made into a uh, black and white statue <laughs> that. <laughs> oh yeah. That I recently acquired. Tell us about it. Well, I just recently acquired it, and uh, it's it was my number one holy grail of the black and white issues, and uh, oh, I love it. Mm. Do you what do you think about it, crap? Uh, I don't know. Are you, do you dust it properly? You know, I was going to ask if you guys would like me to do a segment <laughs> on dusting. <laughs> I, I could do a tutorial on how to dust your black and white statues if you guys would like. <laughs> I just blow on mine. I don't even give a fuck. Imagine that. Exactly, you know. I grab like two or three of them at a time and just... And then I blow on them. Hmm. I give it the old finger swipe. <laughs> nice. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know what I forgot to mention about year one and the Batman Begins movie is how it actually kind of ends the same with Gordon on the rooftop. Only in year one he's waiting for Batman and he's very content. And in the movie he talks to Batman. And then Batman jumps off the the building and Gordon's still very content. You know, uh, understanding that it's a partnership that might he he might never have expected to embrace, but can see it would work to save the city. I really like Christopher Nolan really did make someone of a year one movie. I never thank you. And, and he's like, fuck off. And then he fucking, he crapples away. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the robo rich explanation. Yes. Perfect. That's a deleted scene. <laughs> deleted scene. <laughs> I wish we could have a robo rich. <laughs> no, but you have, you have to mumble it though. Like, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> I wish we could have the robo rich overdub first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ro- Robo Rich begins. <laughs> <laughs> it won't take long, you'd be a porn. Hey, did they recolor year one in these yeah. new editions? They did. Okay. Mazza Kelly hates it. Yeah, it, it definitely looks modern and and good. <laughs> it doesn't look dated, you know? Um but I can understand why Mazza Kelly wouldn't like it because it was his baby wasn't it so i always wondered about you know how these artists feel when you know from their older books and now it's a newer edition and it's being altered how they felt felt about that man he was very vocal about it he 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 said that uh like this reissued deluxe issue wasn't even they didn't even use like the original artwork for it they used a copy of a copy of a copy to do the to do the new panels and he's like he was, he just went on this whole rant uh, about don't buy it it's shit blah 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 yeah he's, he's, <laughs> he sounds like a purist we're definitely an but artist it looks though. damn good I'm sorry Dave yeah well it's yeah like- he, uh, he he did some some interviews at the time that uh, 
one of the new collect one of the new collected editions of the book was coming out, and I I think the story was he had received his comp copies in the mail from DC and hated the way they had reproduced everything and thought they had uh, cut corners and kind of done it cheaply. What's cool about this deluxe hardcover is that in the back of the book you can see a comparison of the original coloring versus what's in the book. I mean, it's very the original is very bright, lots of orange, mm. lots of blue. Oh, the original is gorgeous. I'm looking at it now. and Oh, yeah. It's that old comic feel. Oh, I love it. It's so good. It almost looks like a 3D coloring, you know what I mean? The dated look. I mean, I like both. I mean, it, the, the old stuff looks so great, but the new stuff, the, I think the editing looks fine, too. I, I definitely think Dave's a purist because he's such a great artist, and it's tough being an artist in the comic industry because you really don't own the stuff you submit to them, do you? Like, how does Paul Dini and Bruce Tim feel about Harley Quinn? You know, it's, it's I guess that's... Here we go. That's, yeah, I know. That's just well, like... It's just like in toilet. <laughs> it's just like Stan Lee. He doesn't own any of the characters that he created for Marvel. Stan Lee just walks around and lets people fill his pockets with money. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah. You don't have to do much. That, that original coloring is really nice, though. I can't, I can't lie about that. That's, I'm, I'm glad they actually put that in the hardcover edition. Though. At least we get to see, you know. The comparison. The it's almost kind of the way uh, you know Brian Bolin hated the original coloring and chose to redo it for Killing Joke. This right. is the this is the exact opposite. Right. As a Kelly yeah. hates the new coloring and versus the old. No, I mean the, the whole the whole story. I mean um, even from the beginning where you have the artwork is dark and gritty, showing Gordon on the train. You know he's sitting there thinking, you know. Um, uh, but pretty much that the city sucks, um, and that you know, he, he should never have. I mean, hey, be honest. I mean, he, he kind of is. And you have uh, what I think Gordon said that uh, polit- no um, politicians and Loeb were using cops as almost uh, pretty much like hired killer. You know, looking at Frank Miller's work with him. Yeah, one of them, Dark Knight Returns. You know, they could always, almost work as bookends if you have your whole Bat library in front of you. And think, you know, Batman's rookie year in year one and Batman's post-retirement slash out-of-retirement story in the Dark Knight Returns. They, they in a way, could work as bookends for the whole Batman line of history in terms of reading on your bookshelf. Well, in, in a way... But then you have to put strikes again past uh, <laughs> who, who said that that's a bad idea who said uh, the strikes again was Frank Miller's fuck you to DC because he was mad at them because I mean, that would make a lot of sense but I forgot which one you said that I've read that by several people right. I mean and I, I what about all-star Batman and Robin maybe it was another fuck you to <laughs> DC well you know uh, Shag sent me a YouTube video uh, I guess it was an interview that Jim Lee did with uh, one of the DC online people or whatever, and they were talking about you know the upcoming Dark Knight three story, and they had actually been in talk with Frank Miller to do this for like the last two three years, and then he also dropped a hint that they may also be finishing All Star. Really? Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right, so guys, real Hold quick on. to um, just wrap up this masterpiece, Batman Year One, Frank Miller. 
uh, brilliant writing. Tell us, um, if you guys had to describe it in one word to take us out of here, uh, of year one, what would it be? Duality. Nice. Is that Tom? Mm, yeah. Tom, hey, Tom. <laughs> 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 he's, like, he's like, Tom's a shot clock buzzer guy. Man. <laughs> I, I say, I say duality because yeah. I, I, I uh, peeked in a little bit earlier when Robin and I think uh, Chris were talking. Uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned it or were. Ta- I sounded like you were, but kind of how the story follows. Gordon just as much as it does uh, Bruce right mm-hmm. and it, it kind of shows it parallels Gordon finding his place in Gotham as well as uh, Bruce fighting his way as Batman right and kind of in the same in the same way that Bruce is finding out how to be Batman Gordon is finding how to navigate himself as the only honest cop in this kind of corrupt city Mm. So it's kind of like they're going through the same struggle. They're kind of finding their identity at the same time with one another. And it kind of culminates in the end with them kind of like, you know, meeting each other. What's interesting about Batman Year One is that it came out on the Batman title, the official Batman title. This wasn't, you know, a separate universe or anything like that. This was Batman. Would you guys consider this to be a prequel to Dark Knight Returns or do you guys consider Dark Knight Returns like its own separate universe and blah 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 I think there's a lot of similarities between the two I mean like we were saying just you know when he's looking for the bat in the cave in Dark Knight Returns and then when it busts through the the window in daytime lands on uh, Thomas Wayne's bust I mean I mean we said it all along there's a lot of things that are just connected even not directly but like hinted almost Mm mhm so, I, yeah, I definitely would think he had, he had the story in mind when he was writing uh, Year One, you know? I, I kind of see it as, um, I know it was on the Batman title, but what I like is I think Frank Miller at times writes, like, he doesn't care what else is going on. Like, this is his story, this is his Batman, regardless of, like, the universe that's happened before or after. And it's kind of, this is, this is me, this is what I'm giving you, take it or leave it kind of deal. And I kind of see very similar writing in, in Scott Snyder's work in that sense where, you know, like in the middle of a new reboot, New 52, he's like, I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm going to make it as if none of that ever happened. You know, no difference. I'm just going to write the Batman story that I want to write. So I love that he does that. It makes all the other titles conform to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone ties into his story. But I think, yeah, I think Frank Miller... I think Frank Miller wrote his uh, Dark Knight Returns. I think that one, you could say, is kind of a little um, separate. You know, you could say it's a different alternate reality, whatever. Or it's so far in the future that you didn't have to worry about the influence of everything else over it. But I think year one, it was kind of like his, like, you know what, like, this is what, this is how it really happened. This is how it really went down. I'll piggyback what Tom said. Duality's perfect, man. It's just, it's just yeah. as much a Gordon story as it is Bruce Wayne. You know, I this is the book. I mean, a lot of Batman books like, it, but this is definitely a book that I I actually enjoy more and more each time I read it. For some reason, it's just that good, and it's just mm-hmm. it's robust, it's solid, it's dense. It, four issues, man. He does all of this in four fucking issues. That's good writing. That really is. In, I totally agree. Like I, I don't know. Maybe it's because we were going to talk about it that I paid more attention to it. Or, but this this time reading around, this time reading it was like my favorite time reading it. Right. Just you know, and I also actually threw on uh, the Arkham Origins. Um, what do you call it? The the score for the game as I was reading it, which made it that much better. Oh wow. Cool. So it had a little like music atmosphere to it. Mm. But uh, I one question I have is Scott still there? Yes. More two questions really. Number one, um, how many trunks would you give the story? 
And, uh, <laughs> and number two, what is the trunk life of a year one uh, hardcover trade? I, I definitely give it four out of four trunks. I mean, oh shit! Just, wow. Fuck. That's a big trunk. The whole thing. Yeah, I mean, certified trunk, story, man. I mean, what about you, Robin? What, what's your uh, one-word sum-up of uh, the year one? I had one a few minutes ago when everyone else started theirs. I forgot what it was. Hey. Uh, let me think about it for a second here. Can I get a gunshot right here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's hard to put it to one word that hasn't already been used. Uh, hmm. Something that's... that's but, uh, we talked about it earlier. What about rebirth? Because that seems to be a, a theme that goes along the whole the whole story. I'm just going through some um, of our uh, followers' answers to the question, what their thoughts on year one were, and some funny. Someone, one guy wrote a, a Groovy Sebas wrote better than the Dark Knight Strikes Again. <laughs> we 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 had a good answer from uh, Sergio Bravo Jr. on the Bat Force feed on Instagram. He wrote uh, asking about thoughts on year one. He wrote perfect, the most grounded, down to earth, definitive origin story, poetic in its language, reflective of society today, the closest we may ever get to a realistic perspective of the Batman. I got funny how the most human stories of them are usually the most um, appreciated because I think people start to relate to human things like pain and mistakes and all those well, things. It's a lot like it's a lot like music. Sometimes the things with the most faults are the most beautiful. And just like in in this story, Batman here he's he has plenty of faults. He's he he's reckless he's he's not really thinking through a lot of the things and, and making poor decisions even though they may be he may at the end get the results he wants you know just like what rich said he's not on his a game like a, a seasoned veteran batman would be but you know what that's what makes it an awesome story because you can relate to it more better it's not a perfect batman but it's an awesome batman rich, rich what was your one word uh, sum up of your one Shit. Oh, that's a lot of shit. thinking. Worst <laughs> 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 book ever. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I couldn't put it in one word. I just <laughs> if you if you had to compare it to a, a certain kind of Eminem. Oh, that's a good. Oh, that's no. the way it, to do it. Would it would definitely be a peanut butter Eminem. Oh, damn. It's a peanut butter Eminem. There you have it, folks. Four trunks and a peanut butter Eminem. Holy sh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. I love that analogy. It's just so amazing the way, like, how you guys were talking about it, how him and Gordon are so much alike, and then in the end, they basically know who each other is and that's how they're the beginning of their relationship and i love that yeah and another very important thing that makes a book usually makes a book a classic or it stands the test of time is that it had a good solid ending it really did it just wrapped up well it was simple yeah. the way it wrapped up but it and it wrapped up very well and batman okay. the yeah. movie used that way. that ending that's that's another one of those uh just like killing joke it's a very ambiguous ending because you don't know if Gordon is telling the truth or if he really can't see who he actually is and kind of lets him off, you know. Um, I've always thought that Gordon kind of <clears throat> made that, you know, 
gave him a lie right. just to kind of give him the confidence to to keep going because if 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 he knew that if Batman you know knew if if Batman knew that someone knew his secret identity maybe he would stop mm-hmm. so maybe Gordon gave him a lie just to keep his confidence intact maybe and also the great thing about this ending is that this ending functions as a beginning it's a beginning of a relationship that's gonna turn Gotham in you know in the right direction and that's that, that's again the Batman begins you see the influence the, the inner mile, uh, dialogue Grant's talking about earlier right. calls himself the Joker I've got a friend coming who might be able to help should be here in any minute that's kind of like similar to exchange at the end of Batman begins exactly exactly Perfect. Whoever hasn't read Year One yet, it's a, it's one of the most important Batman stories you'll ever read, and probably the best way to get started if you're going to read Batman. So definitely make sure you pick it's that green, up. It's great. It's just easy to read. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to read too. Beautiful artwork, writing at its best. It got four trunks and a peanut M M&M, and M. So you know. <laughs> Can't get any better than that, man. Pick. I said peanut butter, but just said peanut. Oh, he said, so. No, he said peanut, didn't he? No, I oh, said peanut off. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think peanut butter was the official one to say again. Damn it. Yeah, on a scale of plain to peanut butter, it got a peanut butter. Oh, shit. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in for this uh, year one episode. And definitely pick that book up if you haven't done so yet. It's one of the most important Batman slash Jim Gordon stories in their history. And uh, just a phenomenal read and brilliant artwork. Uh, Frank Miller and David Mezzichelli really nailed it on this one. So also hit us up if you want uh, the Bad Force over on Instagram and the underscore Bad Force over on Twitter. Until next time, friends. Thanks again.